Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Hey everyone, it's Jeremiah. Thanks so much for joining us on the program today. Welcoming those of you listening across Faith Radio Network Live in both the Central and Eastern Time Zone, as well as thousands of you checking out this program on your podcast format. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, if this is your first time. Uh, This is the program that inspires you to love God with your heart, soul, and mind, to fulfill Jesus' great commandment that he really took out of the Old Testament Shema. We should love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind. And in doing that, have a conversant faith where we're not afraid to answer and tackle and have that tension with the unanswered questions of the day. And we can take those unanswered questions, not to Google, but to God's Word. This is the program that guides you by the hand to be a great Christian thinker and to help you be informed and conversant in your Christian witness around the world and in your own community. We have a very special guest today. I have attorney, super attorney, super author, amazing Bible teacher, expert storyteller, Mr. Mark Lanier, who is no stranger to the public platform. Since he founded the Lanier Law Firm in 1990, he's earned international recognition as one of the top trial attorneys in the United States. Of course, he has lectured at many of the elite Law schools, Harvard Law, Stanford Law, Pepperdine Law, University of Chicago Law, but he's a sold-out Christian. Uh, He's an amazing Christian author of books like Christianity on Trial, published by InterVarsity Press, and his newest books, Torah for Living and Psalms for Living. He's also the founder of the Christian uh, Attorneys Guild, which is a phenomenal organization. Uh, He's a father of five children. He and his wife, Becky, they live in Houston. And the best-kept secret is right here in Houston. I don't want it to be a secret anymore. He's the founder of the Lanier Theological Library. So powerful, such a great guest. He's on hold right now waiting for us. I want to talk about justice. I want to talk about the judicial system. I want to talk about what a world without God would look like. I have also other difficult questions for him because he's such a great Bible teacher. His Sunday school class has 700 people who are p- participate with the class. I want to ask him some of your difficult questions on specifically some Old Testament passages. This is going to be a great broadcast. Stay with us. I've got Mark Lanier coming up. And welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. I am so excited to have our guest joining us today. Uh, And I've just introduced him on the other side of this program. So if you missed that, check that out. But Mark Lanier, thank you so much for being on the program on Faith Radio Network. Jeremiah, it's an honor to be on this show. Thank you for all you are doing to advance thinking and renewing our minds for the cause of the Lord. 
<laughs> well, you were amazing. Well, listen, this is how I wanted to start. I've been I've been saving an, a question that was submitted to this program. And just to remind all of our audience, uh, whether you're listening live across the network in the Central Eastern Time Zone or if you're listening afterward in all of the podcast archive formats, you can submit questions for our guests to askjjj.com. So, Mark Lanier, here's how I want to begin with our first question. Dear Dr. Johnston, I'm teaching through your unanswered series to a life group in Mobile, Alabama. We are interested in finding out in what cathedral, basilica, or church you had filmed your video presentations. Could you advise us? Thank you, and his name is Vaughn. What is hilarious about this, friends, is I did not film the unanswered Bible study series well, I kind of did, but in a cathedral, basilica, or church, I actually filmed it in our guest backyard in Mark Lanier's personal <laughs> library. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Mark, here's a group that wants to tour the basilica, church, or cathedral that really is known as the Lanier Theological Library. Can we begin our interview right here, Mark? Can you tell our entire audience about the Lanier Theological Library? I'd be delighted to. We're in about 18,000 square feet. We've got over 100,000 volumes. It is one where I, uh, in all candor, I didn't have an architect or an engineer draw it up. I drew it up myself, but I did it by stealing, if I can use that word in a legal sense, stealing <laughs> ideas from buildings that were five, six, seven hundred years old over in Oxford. And so I went over there, I did my measurements, my photographs, took my inspiration, and our library is basically a mashup of about seven different libraries from Oxford, uh, all so old that I'm allowed to steal from them uh, uh, for <laughs> ideas. We put it together, and we combined it with an actual chapel, which you've, you've done some good work in, and the, the chapel is a replica of one that was built in 500 AD. So it's actually a 1,500-year-old chapel, and the original one was over in Cappadocia in southern Turkey. It's long since been destroyed, but we used that original model for ours. And am I right? It's, it's I mean, truly, a, it's an architectural wonder for anyone who hasn't seen it. You must visit, just Google the Lanier Theological Library, but it's shape of the cross, no bathrooms. I mean, this is an exact Byzantine replica, right, Mark? Yes, it is. With two-foot-thick stone walls, the dome is 50 foot from the ground, the length, the width, the height, everything that we could make. Now, we did not import Ankar and marble and granite for it. Uh, we used Texas River rock. Uh, but uh, uh, aside from our, our stone of choice uh, and the fact that we added air conditioning and lights, uh, it is it is a replica. Um, it's it's been an absolute joy to have it. We've had speakers in there ranging from oh uh, uh, chief uh, all sorts of judges, uh, Judge yep. Scalia from the Supreme Court, all sorts of theologians, all sorts of of everyone, uh, including you and and a few others. Well, Mark, and I want to I want to take a step back if I can, because this program is really fun if you're just joining us for the first time on Faith Radio Network on the Jeremiah Johnson Show. It's kind of a mix between a, a Guy Raz, how I built this, if you've ever heard that on NPR, versus answering tough questions about the faith. So I want to just step back, if I may, and talk about your faith journey, Mark. Um, and friends, as I already mentioned in the interview, I have all of Mark Lanier's books. My most treasured book, though, that you put together is a book that you launched from the Old Testament, really for your own personal Sunday school class. 
And Mark, I've said this before, um, and I mean this in, in the purest sense, because the scripture says to the pure, they, all things are pure. I mean, you are a layman, as it were. You're, you're a super attorney. You have all the reasons in the world not to serve your local church, and yet you have a Sunday school class with 700 people in it. Can you take us back to your, and it might even be larger. That's the last number I, I knew from being there. But can you take us back on your faith journey, Mark? I mean, is it true that you thought you were going to go into ministry at one time in your life? Jeremiah, it is. That was my goal. I, I took one of those tests that tell you what areas seem to fit your, your skill set when I was in ninth grade. And it said I'd either be a good trial lawyer, a good preacher, or a good politician. I thought, <laughs> well, I'd love to be a preacher. I love the Lord. He's been uh, the, the focus of my life for as long as I've been conscious and aware. So I went to school with the idea of getting a degree that, that would be useful for serving the Lord. So it was a combination of a seminary and an undergraduate school where I took the the seminary preaching degree, but also a, an undergraduate degree in biblical languages, Hebrew and Greek. And it occurred to me through some good counsel from a good friend that what I really ought to do is I ought to pursue a legal career, but then continue to serve the Lord bivocationally in a sense so that I could I could do my ministry without without needing my ministry for for mm. making my daily needs and supporting my family. So I became a lawyer really just to pay the bills. It just turns out that, that God graced us with some good success there. But my yes. passion has always been trying to teach uh, uh, people the Word of God and, and trying to uh, help the kingdom of Christ. Mark, I want you to talk to businessmen and women who are listening to you right now who think that they may be too busy to learn or may not realize the importance of the original languages of the Bible. And, of course, if you're just a new Christian, we're talking mainly about Greek and Hebrew. And I want to remind our audience what I've said in the past. If you memorize just 300 Greek words, you're going to recognize 8 out of 10 word occurrences in the New Testament. But I don't want you to listen to a professor's perspective. I want you to hear our, our guest, Mark Lanier's perspective, a busy man, a man who I wish we could actually <laughs> replicate himself. You're doing so much for the kingdom of God. Can you talk about your journey in the original languages of the Bible, what that has first meant, how you did it, what it's meant to your devotional life, and also just in your life in general as a family man? Well, I love the original languages. I, I've always had an affection for them. Uh, I've studied, uh, took several years of Latin. I took about three or three and a half years of Greek. I took about four and a half years of Hebrew, took some Aramaic, took some Syriac, continue to study those languages for the last 40 years since I finished the degree. And so it's it's a deep love of mine. But the, the love is not just because I've got this weird brain that likes dead languages. <laughs> the love is what unlocks in scripture and life when you use that. So let me give you one example. I was talking to my class recently about the way Hebrew anatomy was considered uh, uh, differently than we consider anatomy today. Today we know the brain has got the gray cells that process thought. We know that people who are listening to this have auditory inputs that go into the brain that tell us what's going on, what's being said, and it registers in our brains. In the Old Testament mindset, they did not understand that the brain was the seat of thought. Mm -hmm. They thought the seat of thought was the heart. And so when you read all of these passages in the Psalms that talk about getting your heart right before the Lord, we tend in 21st century America to think of, oh, that means get your emotions and your feelings right before God, because we colloquially associate those with the heart. In fact, in the Old Testament 
concepts, that was associated with your intestines, with your stomachs, with your bowels, as the King James, old King James would translate it. And so, mm. so your your emotions were in your in your your guts. Your heart was your brain. So when you read this Old Testament psalm that says to to set your heart upon God, it's not talking about your emotion. It's talking about your mind. It's talking about thinking. It's talking about mm. uh, uh, you know you know using your 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 thoughts. To, to focus in on God, on what God has done for you, on what God wants you to do for other people on his behalf. You know, that's what it's talking about. It's not saying be an emotional religion first and foremost. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't other passages that talk about getting your bowels right with God and in and, and the Hebrew original, but but it's the expression of, of getting getting your emotions fixed in, in by God and, and on God. But but most of those passages we misread because we think the heart is the feelings. And if you zoom in on the languages and you understand what was being said, you see the emphasis on the mind. One of the reasons I love what you do. Wow. And Mark, I have chills as you're talking right now. Um, and friends, I just want to say this. If you want to check out Mark's teaching, check out his Sunday school class at Champion Forest Baptist Church. It's called Biblical Literacy, or just simply Google Mark Lanier Sunday school teaching. Oftentimes when I am away in a city speaking, I have church by going online through the Facebook channel of Mark's class. I don't even know if you know that, Mark, but I, I'm kind of a virtual member of your Sunday school class, if I can call myself that. Um, but I want to mention this. Virtual member, Fooey, that means, that means I can get you to come fill in for me sometime. <laughs> I love it. Uh, anytime, I'd be honored. But the reason I had chills is I was thinking of the Shema, Mark, when you were talking just a moment yeah. ago which Jesus would have used, which he obviously used for the great commandment of Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. But the Shema, friends, was the prayer that observant Jews prayed at least three times a day. Love God, what does it say, with all your heart, being, and might? And heart, as Mark Lanier, our guest just said, is really your thinking. And this is, Mark, why I think your example of life challenges all of us. Here's a, a man, friends, who's a family man. He's a businessman. He has all the reasons in the world not even to attend church, let alone to a Sunday school. He's teaching us about the beauty of the original text. Mark, take us through, and you're an accomplished author. I love your 2014 book, Christian and Me, The On Trial. I've given away several copies. I love Psalms for Living, Daily Prayers, Wisdom and Guidance, Baylor University Press, and then its sequel, Torah for Living, Daily Prayers, Wisdom and Guidance. But can you talk for a moment, and we've got to go to a break in about two and a half minutes, but can you talk for a moment about the beautiful uh, brown your Old Testament outlines from your Sunday school class for those that really get into the teaching of the Old Testament? Well, I did a three-year series on the Old Testament that I called Old Testament Survey, and my goal for my class was if you went to a seminary and you got to go to a, a good Old Testament survey class, what types of material would you cover? So starting with Genesis and going through Malachi, I went through each book, making sure that people not only had the basic stories behind the books, but understood why the books were considered part of Scripture. And more importantly, how do we interact with those books today? How do we understand the archaeological discoveries that have been made? How do these books interconnect uh, with science and, and, and where we are technologically today, if at all? And how do they fit in with the greater revelation of who Jesus is? And so trying to walk through all of that from our side of history, putting us back into the cultural context of the original scriptures was a great joy. 
I would do a written lesson each week, 10 to 15 pages with footnotes. They're on the internet for anybody to download for free, as well as the audio and video. But uh, those, I just took them for convenience sake, and I bound the copy for me, for a few friends, for you, uh, a few others that might use them. And friends, I want to encourage you to check this out. Join up on Lanier Theological Library, which we're going to we're going to talk about. But definitely check out the Biblical Literacy Sunday School class. We've got to jump to a break, but stay with us because in 90 seconds, I'm going to rebound off of one of the most interesting analogies I've ever heard a speaker give. Mark Lanier gave both in his book Christianity on Trial, but I've heard him give this in, in plenary sessions at major events. That if Mark Lanier was asked to represent Adolf Hitler today for war crimes, he could get Hitler acquitted. Well, now, let's think about that carefully. When we come back in 90 seconds, I'm going to ask him what he means by that. And what that has to say is a reflection of our wider culture. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnson Show back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to Faith Radio Network. This is Jeremiah Johnston. Friends, I have a great guest with us today. And if you missed any of the previous segments, you're going to want to rewind and listen. You're going to want to download it. But make sure you get a pen and something to write with or however you take notes. Mark Lanier is dropping wisdom all over this program. And, again, he's joining us. He's the founder of the Lanier Theological Library. He's the founder of the Lanier Law Firm, which is international. Mark is a super attorney's super attorney and an accomplished author, a great family man. And it's so powerful that he's on our side in the Christian faith. Uh, Mark, I heard you gave an illustration. And you, you always know when an illustration is great because you can never forget it. And you discussed the milieu of the day, as it were. And I want you to pick it right up for our audience. That, and you discuss this in your IVP book, Christianity on Trial, A Lawyer Examines the Christian Faith. What did you mean that if you represent Hitler today, you might be able to get him off for war crimes? Well, the key for me would be to get a jury that doesn't believe in God. If you give me a jury that does not believe in God, ultimately— they have no moral compass beyond how they feel, what they think, or what they believe society feels or thinks. And that is the key for me if I were defending Hitler. Here is why. Hitler did not on his own round up the, the Jews, round up the, the homosexuals, round up those with physical infirmities, and just decide himself to wipe them off. What he did had the support of the government. He did everything legally. That's right. Laws were passed to support it. So he didn't, he didn't violate the law of Germany. If people didn't like the law, his argument would be move, leave Germany. Let all of the Jews leave. Let all of the homosexuals leave. Let all of the, the people with deformities leave. His plea was, we, the German nation, have limited resources, and we will choose to use those resources for the best genetic good of the German people because this is an evolutionary process we're in. As Nietzsche said, he would okay. assert, and he was a big Nietzsche fan, as Nietzsche said, there will come a time where the humanity that we know of has evolved so much, they'll look back on us today the way we look back on monkeys. Mm. So Hitler said his desire was to use the limited resources of Germany to help further the human race for the good of the human race. And that's all he was trying to do. And to say that he was morally repugnant 
is something it's easy for us to say if we have a Christian morality. It's easy for us to say if we have a morality based upon a God or someone who is divine and beyond us to whom we are accountable. If we say every human being has dignity and value because in Genesis God said they're made in my image, then we've got a basis for holding Hitler accountable. But you remove God from the equation. You remove God from my jury, and what Hitler was doing had a nobility within itself. Mm, mm, mm. So powerful, friends, and I want to make sure you heard that because the social progressives today say that Christianity, well, all religion, but specifically Judeo-Christian thought and belief is impeding progress and really holding back the world from our finest day, and yet we have a super attorney, a trial attorney, telling us what about modern law, that if God doesn't exist, what could we expect of our current uh, judicial system, Mark? Well, that's exactly right. If God does not exist and you remove God from the judicial system, you have law that is arbitrary. At the end of the day, law is what people say instead of what God says. And if law is what people say and a preponderance or a majority of the people say it's okay to limit our resources and make them available to this group instead of that group, then all of a sudden you have set up a Third Reich. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, really, in many ways, it's like returning from what we're on today, common law or law that is ultimately based on the Magna Carta and other disciplines, but back, taking us back. This is what I argued in Unimaginable. It's actually taking us to a pre-Christian era where racism was really widely acceptable. I think people find it interesting that the same authors who gave us some of the great works of democracy were they were the same authors that introduced an entire literature of racism and they did so quite willingly because in their mind yes. no god etc so uh exactly. mark I want you to continue, though, uh, for the, our audience, again, who's just joining us. Mark Lanier is with us uh, for the entire hour, and I want to encourage you to listen to the entire broadcast if you've missed it. Can you talk about everything from bankruptcy laws to other laws that we have today are really based on the biblical principles, individual freedom? Uh, can you just give, share a few? I know you have many, but can you share a few in this segment? Of course. I'd be glad to. I gave a law school lecture recently that's about to be published in a law review, and the title of my lecture was, Justice for All. And I took that lecture title from the Pledge of Allegiance, which we're all taught at an early age as an American citizen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and, quote, justice for all, mm. period, close quote. Our legal system has a bedrock foundational principle of justice for all. Now, we are part of Western civilization, and by that, we grew out of the Western Roman Empire. And that is historically what our roots are. But that is not the basis of the American judicial system concept, justice for all. The right. Romans did not have justice for all. There were classes of individuals that had classes of justice. The slaves had no justice at all, really, to speak of. They were chattel. They were property. But even beyond the slaves, there were other classes of individuals that had lesser rights and lesser access to justice. And the higher classes had higher rights and higher access to justice, 
Justice was not for all. Justice was a concept that was on a, 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 a kind of a, a meter. You know, there are those people yeah. who get lots of justice, those like people who get little scale. justice. <laughs> a, a sliding scale of justice based upon your status in society. However, the American judicial system is not based on the Roman system in that way. Ours is based on the Judeo-Christian system that proceeded from the first great law school I know of on Mount Sinai. That's right. When God delivered his law, or in Jewish terminology, Torah, and God delivered the Torah to Moses and to the people in that first big law school. And in that law school, among those many instructions in the Torah were ones that said, tell the judges when they judge. They have to judge fairly, not only among brothers, i.e. the Israelites, Mm. but even among the strangers and the immigrants that come into your midst. So justice was not one thing if you were an Israelite and something else if you were an immigrant. Justice was for all. And it's based upon that general premise of Genesis 127, where God said, let us make man in our image, male and female. He made them in his image. Remember, the Genesis creation story was set forward among the Israelites in the midst of a culture that had multiple creation stories in Mesopotamia, down in Egypt, and in all of the cultures around Israel. They were told that the king was made in the image of God, and the king was an extension of God, and everyone else there was there to serve the gods and the king. God told Israel, no, 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 no. I've created male and female in my image, all people in my image, not just the king, because all people have equal dignity and and rights Hmm. and, and access to justice and access to all basic core human principles. And and that is radically different than what you find anywhere else culturally then and certainly now. And friends, I want to make sure you appreciate the context. We are listening to Mark Lanier and his the results of his court worm, court work uh, courtroom work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, L.A. Times, Boston Globe, Bloomberg News, Houston Chronicle. You've been featured on every major news station there is. And, Mark, you are telling us, based on what you just said, without essentially without the Old Testament, without God impressing his image and explaining, not as Ludwig Feuerbach said, that, oh, man made God in his image. No, we are made in the image of God because of that. That is literally the bedrock of our judicial system. Am I hearing you right? You are absolutely hearing me right. And and if we remove God from our system, we have removed the bedrock foundation and our system is on shifting sand, and what it is tomorrow is anybody's bet. You know, Mark, you, you, this has been a fascinating segment, and um, I've been interested in this subject so much of discussing that democracy, we would, no, Hitler would not exist without democracy. It's something that you alluded to at the beginning of this segment. I found a University of London doctoral dissertation that was published in the 1960s. You might find this interesting, Mark. A sociography of the SS officers. I wanted to know who were these individuals that carried out in an unflinching manner the exterminations for Hitler. 
this, according to this, and I want to say it again, sociography of the SS officers, University of London, doctoral dissertation, the number one, let me give you the top three, vocations. Many of the SS officers, number one, were lawyers, attorneys trained in the classics, secondly, professors, and then thirdly, yes, even ministers. So those were, according to this doctoral dissertation, the top three vocations who joined the SS. And indeed, the SS was the career of choice if you had a college education trained in the classics. It's fascinating to me, Mark. What does this say to you about culture, how we can be deceived? Well, it first of all warns me that pride comes before a fall. And doesn't matter how much education we've got or don't have, we all need to be on our knees before the Lord on a daily basis, mm. acknowledging him as God and not us, not our minds, not what we're thinking or anything else. If we do not draw our focus and our attention and our purpose from the throne room of God, then we all run the risk of misconstruing not only our purpose in this life, but putting our energy into things, as Paul calls it in Corinthians, wood, hay, and stubble that will burn up, and rightfully so. And so it, it, it drives me to my knees to seek humility. It drives me to my knees to seek God's hand and God's work in my life. Because if we don't do that, heaven help us. That's right. And Mark, thank you for being such an example for the church today. And we should remind our listeners that even in Hitler's day, there were those that did not bend the knee, as it were. I think of Professor Dr. Ernst Kaseman, who, knowing he had Gestapo in his church, preached from Isaiah 26:13, Lord our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone do we honor. And he stood against the Gestapo. He was arrested. And, uh, and so, friends, I, I just ask, where are the Ernst Casemans today? Because we are living in a culture that is trying to get us to bend the knee, to remove Christianity and all of its vestiges. We've got to jump to take a break. But when we come back, our final segment with our very special guest today, Mark Lanier, I'm going to be asking him some difficult questions that you've submitted from the Old Testament. I can't wait to hear how he answers. Stay with us back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to our final segment with Super Attorney Mark Lanier, and I want to encourage you, if you have not, connect with him on social media. Basically, on any social media format, just go to Lanier Law Firm. Lanier Law Firm, or just Google Mark Lanier, and as we've already said, he has this phenomenal Sunday school class that you can catch no matter where you're listening or watching from called Biblical Literacy. Uh, it's hosted at Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, and definitely check out any of Mark's excellent books, especially Christianity on Trial, Psalms for Living, Daily prayers, wisdom and guidance, and also Torah for living. Uh, Mark, I want to ask you, I, I received several questions leading up to this program. How do you help individuals who struggle with the Old Testament? They see commands that they perceive are not relevant today. How do they, how do they uh, equate that with the world around them today when, when we hear certain commands in the Old Testament uh, that just make people feel a little uncomfortable? I know you get this question a lot. I do. I recently was talking about this in class, and I brought uh, four different people up onto the platform where I teach. I brought up a 10-year-old girl. I brought up a 16-year-old girl. I brought up a 32-year-old fellow, and I brought up a 65-year-old fellow. And I said, here we have four different ages. 
if I want to talk to these four different age groups about a subject, I'm going to do it differently to the 10-year-old than I am the 68-year-old. With the 10-year-old, I cannot use, for an example, you know when you're driving down the road and the light is green, but then you see it turn yellow and you think, ah, do I have to stop or can I make it through before it turns red? That will mean nothing to the 10-year-old. The 10-year-old needs something that's that fit for them in their mindset with their experiences. In similar ways, we see that God has progressively revealed himself through history. And so you can take early history humanity, take the Israelites on Mount Sinai in the midst of the culture where they were in the day in which they were with their understanding of science, their understanding of medicine, their understanding of dot, 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 fill in the blank. God had to communicate differently to them than God communicates by the time we reach society and Jesus and, and, and God chose the right time to send Jesus to give us the fuller revelation of who he is. So you've got to understand this idea that God progressively revealed himself as humanity was better able to understand and see him. Add to that the fact that what God gave Israel were unique laws for the nation of Israel to prepare itself and to live and function in that era and time period between northern powers and southern power of Egypt, where, where between whether it was Assyria or Sumeria or whether it was Babylon you, in the north, you had Israel as a unique bridge between those powers. And if they would follow those specific laws that God gave them, they could more fully and accurately fulfill his command to be a blessing to the nations. That is a different situation with a different set of laws than those that apply to us Gentiles in the church. Right. God made that clear in the book of Acts and the history that we read as the Holy Spirit taught the church how to function and behave. So what you really need to do is ultimately read the Bible in context. And when you do it, not just in terms of chapters and, and verses, but in terms of culture and age – it begins to make basic sense to you. And friends, really what Mark Lanier is doing here for us is guiding us by the hand in appropriate biblical interpretation skills. Make sure that you are constantly working on your interpretation skills. We call this hermeneutics, but don't let that word scare you. Uh, just check out Biblical Literacy, Mark Lanier's Sunday School class. He does this every single time he speaks where you learn how to understand the Bible in context and yet the timeless principles that apply today. I love this segment, Mark, because we jump around and we have quite a few scholars uh, that check in with this program. I want to switch gears to archaeology of Jericho, Mark. Can I do that for a moment with you? Sure. Because I, I know you've done a lot of work in this area. Uh, and I've heard you say something interesting, that some scholars misinterpret or may misinterpret the results of Kathleen Kenyon's work at Jericho. Uh, what is all that about? Well, originally Jericho was dug by the Garstang group in the early 20s of 1920s era, and they thought, oh, we found evidence the walls fell, et cetera, et cetera. Then Kathleen Kenyon came in in the late 50s and spent four years digging in Jericho and did not find the evidence. In fact, shows that the evidence Garstang had originally thought was the falling walls was not the falling walls. What she did find is extremely critical evidence that I think ultimately more directly bears out the biblical truth of what happened, 
namely the mud bricks, i.e. walls, that were destroyed were eroded over the next 400 years of no civilization living there. And you're able to see the fact that any evidence of, of, of civilization was gone, save the occasional juglet here or there and the other items that have been found that date to this Bronze Age period where Moses and, and – or not Moses, but Joshua and, and the Israelites came in. And so uh, uh, you've got good – understanding if you read it hand-in-hand with the biblical story. The problem is most scholars, it's like the whisper game. They'll take what Kathleen Kenyon did, and then they'll read what someone else said about it, and then read what someone else said about that, and someone else Mm, said about mm -hmm. that, and someone said about that. And by the time you get to the last 15 years of books or 20 years of books, they're saying, well, Kathleen Kenyon proved that Jericho didn't happen the way the Bible says. That's not at all what Kathleen Kenyon did. You go back to her dig reports, and we've got them in our library. You go back to her dig reports. You go back to her public lectures. Not at all what she did, but scholars don't do original research too often. Most of the times they rely on secondary resources, or which wind up being third resources or fourth, what in legal terms we call hearsay. And everybody knows (laughs) hearsay is not your most reliable evidence. Wow. Uh, This is so good. And I mean, Mark, I can attest to this both in writing my recent academic monograph, but also my recent uh, popular book. I saw the same thing play out. At first I saw it, uh, let's just start with unimaginable, several Christians had quoted a citation that none of them had actually gone to the effort to read a certain book. And I'm gonna, it doesn't matter who or what. <laughs> but I, when I finally read the book, I thought, oh, well, this has been wrong for the last 35 years. And it's important <laughs> that we get it right. Same thing happened actually with Bart Ehrman and a few others that kept quoting different dating on certain things uh, that I just yeah. gently pointed out in a monograph. And so, friends, this is why you have to be a good Christian thinker and know how to actually have control even of the secondary literature when you research things like biblical archaeology. Mark, I want to go to another uh, hot question that I've been uh, interview, uh, asked in anticipation of today's program. In your class, Biblical Literacy, how have you dealt with some of the conquest passages? And you might explain what that means for the benefit of our audience who might not understand conquest passages, uh, specifically to kill every last person. How, how have you answered that in your Sunday school class, Biblical Literacy, in your writing? Okay, I've got like two or three minutes on this, Jeremiah, so I'm going to refer people to the fuller versions, but in short, (laughs) let me say it this way. Those conquest passages where God says, go into this town, destroy every man, woman, and child, uh, even destroy the cattle, destroy everything, um, we, we read those in a vacuum. And we need to get out of our vacuum, and we need to put those into real life terms. The real life terms would have been something like this. Okay, Israelites have just destroyed that community to our left, and they let those people flee. But the Israelites are being told to now come take us and destroy everything we've got, every one of us. If I'm in that village, I'm going to do something really fast. It's called leave. I'm going to take my wife. I'm going to take my kids. I'm going to take my cattle, and I'm going. And when I go and I'm out of that town, I'm no longer subject to destruction. I've now surrendered, and I'm an immigrant, and there's a whole different treatment for me there as opposed to someone who's going to stand up against the armies of God and say, oh, yeah, God says he's taken me and my kids over my dead body. Those are the people who stayed there. 
So I think as a practical matter, we don't read these and really understand what was going on and what was transpiring. Within the framework of that, God says if they're staying in the town, destroy them and get rid of them. That was the command, and that was the command that should have caused most people to flee before the Lord. And the Lord, if not, uh, uh, gave those instructions. Now, why then did the Lord not have mercy on those people? The odds are, in addition to tons of answers everyone seems to get of all the time, the answers include the fact, do you think the next village would have believed them? Mm-hmm. Would have been, yeah, right, we're not leaving. If we can't beat them, they'll still let us stay here. And, 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 and this is the way that war is not a good thing. War, war please understand and, and let your listeners understand, God did not have the conquest of the Holy Land until, quote, the iniquity of the Amorites became complete. An expression for those people were so evil and so bent on evil that they were destructive to God and to everything good. But ultimately, uh, 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 the invasion force of the Israelites was the best possible scenario. God gave the best possible scenario for minimizing the damage that can be done. And, And to do it a different way, biblically, we think, would have caused even more damage and more suffering in the big-term scenario. So impressive. I mean, here we are. We're jumping around, and you guys are listening to the fluency that Mark Lanier has with these issues. And, again, because we live in a society that prefers sound bites above substance, I just have to give you a commercial again. Check out Mark's books. Check out his Sunday school class, Biblical Literacy, if you've loved, and I know you have, the things that he shared today. Uh, we only have time for a couple more topics, Mark, but I do want to revisit Lanier Theological Library. We touched on that at the very beginning of the interview. I know we have some people joining us just now across the network. Can you just talk about for a moment your vision going forward for the Lanier Theological Library and what are your future plans for the library as well and how can people participate and be involved even if they don't live in the Houston metro area? All of our lectures are online and they're all for free. Our resources are online and they're for free. Go to LanierTheologicalLibrary.org. You can go through, you can look at pictures, you can do all you want to do. Our goal is to be a resource for the kingdom of God to better equip and build our minds in service to him. And so we want to do that through not only the offerings that we've got and the books we've got. We have scholars in residence. We have uh, uh, opportunities to share with other libraries. We bring in lecturers. We bring in discussion panels. Many of your guests have been lecturing at our library, Alistair McGrath, N.T. Wright, Countless people have come over and over again. Uh, I see you there. I see lots of folks there. I walked around the corner the other day, and there was Ben Witherington. And I thought, what are you doing here? He said, well, I'm researching. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a place for people to come. And plus, we have really fast Internet and free coffee. So any chance you get, please come on by. And friends, I want to make sure you understand this is one of the nation's largest private theological collections. It's beautiful. My wheels start turning. And you know what? It's so important. Jesus gave a fascinating parable in the Gospel of Luke where he heals 10 10 individuals who are struggling with leprosy and only one returns. And he uses a word that's only found once in the Greek New Testament, foreigner. He says only the foreigner returned to say thank you. And Mark, I want to say thank you on this national radio show 
for the way that you have been such an encouragement to me and to Christian Thinkers Society. So many years ago, when I very nervously emailed you, and I asked if we could use the library for three days to film a Bible study, I was so nervous to hit send on that email, because I know how busy you are. You not only said yes, but you were so generous in allowing us the run of the place, and little did either of us know how the Holy Spirit would literally take that Bible study all over the world, which has literally birthed this radio show, a global tour. I just want to say thank you, Mark. Can I just say thank you for who you are, the brother in Christ you are, and just you're, loving me and being a mentor to me. I want to say that right here on the air. You are very kind. Brother, I'm <laughs> going to interrupt you and say you're very kind, but my thanks go to you because you're bringing what God has given you to bear for his kingdom. You and I play on the same team as so many of the people listening this to and this is a team sport, and God's got his people working together for the good of the kingdom. And we all fit together and do the part that we can, and it's to his glory, and it's to his praise, and it's just a joy to get to work with you, brother. Thank you for all you're doing. Well, thank you. Well, final question, Mark. That means a lot to me that you'd say that. So I ask all of our guests and friends, if you're just joining us on the program for the very first time, I think that vulnerability is the new superpower to reach people. And we've interviewed the brightest thinkers, as you've seen today in this very broadcast, as you've heard. But I like to ask all of our guests, Mark, what is your personal unanswered question? I mean, if you could ask Jesus anything right now, and maybe you've answered the question, and I don't add a P.S. We leave it there. That's where the program ends. But I want to ask you, what would, what's Mark Lanier's unanswered question for God? You know, there are so many possible questions to ask. But when you get right down to it, I really just have one that I, I think if, if I had that one question that I could get answered, and, and it's, it's a, there's not a close second. It's this. God, please tell me right now, in very practical terms, what I can be doing to help reach those that I love for you. Just what what do you want me to do? Tell me, tell me. One, two, three, four, five. I'll do those things by the, the, the strength and guidance of your spirit and and just trust you from there. And 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 that if if I could know in practical terms right now, and and I think to some degree God's already answered those questions. He wants us to walk through and figure that stuff out. He doesn't write it on the wall. But I sure would like that written on the wall. I could just I, – I follow rules real well. He could just say, okay, do these five steps and then leave the rest to me. I got it from here. Um, I, would really, I would really treasure hearing it that way as opposed to praying to yeah. figure out those steps <laughs> and trusting him to be delivering them to me absent the writing on the wall. <laughs> wow. Wow, so powerful. Well, as one dad of five to the other dad of five, uh, you, Mark, um, wow, I totally agree. What can I do to be reaching those that I love? Mark, thank you so much for being on the Jeremiah Johnston Show today. Thank you for the work that you're doing for the kingdom, and thank you for all that we know you're doing behind the scenes with individuals. We pray for you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. You're in our praise. You're in our prayers, and I hope that you'll come back to the program again. I'm honored to be a part of it. May God bless you. Thank you all. Join, uh, I'll be back in just a few seconds with some final thoughts to wrap today's program up. Stay with us.
friends, it's Jeremiah closing out the program today. So many great insights from our guest, Mark Lanier. If you're just joining us, go back and check out the archived broadcast with this super attorney, this individual who's lectured at the finest law schools in the United States, a great uh, Christian author, an excellent brother in Christ, a wonderful Bible teacher who has a Sunday school class of 700. Didn't you enjoy his focus on humility? Uh, how easily it is for us to all become deceived. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have, how successful one may be. We've got to stay on our knees and stay humble before Almighty God. I so appreciated that. And I also appreciated his vulnerability in sharing his unanswered question for God is what are the specific steps that we can all do to reach those we love? Isn't it refreshing to hear humility and sincerity mixed with passion and intelligence for Almighty God? I loved having Mark on the program today. What an encouragement that he was to my soul as the host of the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I want to encourage you. uh, There's some other immediate steps. Please join a Bible study. I mean, you know, they're not secrets to success. They're just simply keys to victory in your Christian life. Look at Mark Lanier. He has every reason in the world not to even go to Sunday school, and yet he teaches one. The scriptures promise us that when we study the promises, and remember there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible, they never return to us void. The study of the scripture is an investment that always pays dividends in your life, both now and in the days ahead. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Let me encourage you again, check out ChristianThinkers.com if you want to know where I'm speaking. Be sure to connect with our social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, myself, Christian Thinkers Society. Keep praying for this ministry. And thanks so much for joining us today on Faith Radio Network. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.